Hello and welcome to the latest Lancet podcast. Richard Lane with you here on Thursday, August the 9th. This week we're focusing on maternal overweight and obesity, but interestingly in sub-Saharan Africa and the effect that can have on neonatal outcomes. I'm delighted to be joined by Dr. Jenny Cresswell from the London School of Hygiene and Tropical Medicine. Dr. Cresswell, you're one of the, the authors of this paper and very interesting it looks too. Define the problem. I think an important point to mention is that by global standards, at the moment, levels of obesity in sub-Saharan Africa currently are low. They're around 5%. However, there is substantial regional variation across the subcontinent. For example, in southern Africa, countries like Swaziland, uh, Lesotho, Namibia, levels of overweight and obesity are similar to what you find in Europe, the UK and North America, whilst uh, further north around the Sahel region, of course, levels of obesity are much, much lower. We find in our paper, for example, that less than 1% of women in Madagascar, Ethiopia are currently obese. Important, therefore, not to generalise across the whole continent. But what, what explanation is there for this trend? And you are talking about a projection, aren't you? By 2030, something like a third of of the area we're talking about will be overweight or obese. A lot of work's been published on what's known as uh, the nutrition transition, discussing a rising dual burden of uh, disease where you have underweight coexisting with overweight. In regions such as this, a large part of it's thought to be due to substantial urbanisation. So as um, people move to urban areas, they have to obviously have to buy their food physical activity is likely to drop and uh, the calorie to cost ratio um, of the food becomes more important. So cheap foods, which are often high in fat and high in sugar, become cost effective. But these also tend to cause rising uh, body mass levels. Indeed. So returning to this current study, this research here, what the aims of the study were, what did we know before you you started doing this work and, and specifically what were you trying to achieve? How are you trying to advance our knowledge? We already know that in high income settings, uh, maternal obesity uh, is a risk factor for neonatal death, death in the first 28 days of life. The aim of this study uh, was to investigate whether maternal obesity is a risk factor for neonatal death within a low income context, specifically sub-Saharan Africa. And also a secondary objective of the study was to take advantage of having access to what is a relatively well-powered large data set with a large number of neonatal deaths to investigate the effect of maternal obesity on the timing of death within the neonatal period. How did you go about that? Because you talk in the paper about the data sets that you use and presumably you're, you're talking about household surveys supplied from different countries. Can you give a little bit of detail about the methodology? Because that's actually essential when you're talking about a study such as this, isn't it? Yes, of course. Um, so what we did was we pulled cross-sectional data sets collected by uh, the Demographic and Health Surveys, which are they are household questionnaires which are given to women aged 15 to 49 years, and they uh, use a standardised questionnaire module so that data is comparable across different countries and also different periods of time within one country. For a low-income setting, the data is very high quality. The interviewers have uh, a rigorous training schedule and they also use a standardised protocol to measure height and weight. However, we do have one very important limitation for this study, which is that data is cross-sectional. And this means that 
we are unable to establish that the exposure, in this case uh, BMI, obesity, preceded the outcome, neonatal death. And this is an important limitation of our study. We attempted to address this by excluding women who we suspected may have had large fluctuations in BMI. And also we examined the data for any signs of misclassification bias which are arising. We believe that any bias which has occurred is likely to be very small. That along with consistency of our findings with other studies from high income settings which did have access to pre-pregnancy BNI makes us more confident in our findings but it is an important limitation to bear in mind. Sure, but I think I read the overall response rate was high. Was it 90%? Oh, yes, it's over 90%. So it varied by country, but the lowest response rate was something like 91%. The key finding of this paper is that this is the first time that maternal obesity has been identified as a significant risk factor for, death, for neonatal death during the first 28 days of life. The odds of an infant born to an obese mother uh, dying in the first month of life were just over 40% higher amongst infants born to obese mothers compared to those born to mothers of optimal weight. The effect was strongest during the first two days of life. We don't have data on cause of death, but the fact that the effect was strongest during the first two days suggests that events in the intrapartum period, i.e. during delivery, are likely to be important causal mechanisms. Can you give us a little bit more about about the biology, why you think these differences are occurring? Well, this wasn't something we were able to actually address in this particular study because, as I say, we didn't have data on cause of death. But what type of complications do you think we're looking at? Studies from high-income settings have suggested two major mechanisms uh, for the association which we're seeing here. One of these is that obese women often have lower uterine contractility so um, it's more difficult for them to for the baby to be pushed out during labour. Also, obese mothers often have what's called macrosomic babies, which are babies larger than 4,000 grams. So uh, set what's called cephalopelvic disproportion, i.e. the baby not fitting through the pelvis, also becomes more common. And obesity has also been associated with other complications such as diabetes and uh, premature rupture of the membranes. So it's likely to be quite a large number of different causes which are acting to produce this effect. Okay, a very clear finding here, an important finding, with clearly implications for policy in many of these countries. What happens next? Is it time for policy change, or do we need longer-term, more longitudinal research to, to back up these findings, do you think? Better data is definitely needed. We do need uh, to longitudinal data, especially as obesity and overweight increases in the region, and also data on the cause of death. However... Uh, I don't think we can just sit back and wait for that to happen. In the meantime, women who are overweight and obese, I think the evidence is good enough to advise them that they should be delivering in facilities which are capable of providing emergency obstetric and neonatal care. Uh, as it stands at the moment, most overweight and obese women in Africa tend to be more educated. They tend to be often live in urban areas and they tend to be wealthier. So they are likely to have the capacity to act on this advice if it's made clear to them during antenatal care appointments um, that place of delivery is important. So better data is needed, but that doesn't mean that we have to just do nothing in the meantime. Indeed. Well, it's a very important, very interesting paper. Dr. Jenny Cresswell on the line from the London School of Hygiene and Tropical Medicine. Many thanks indeed for talking to The Lancet. Thank you, Richard. And do look out for the comment published alongside this research article. And many thanks indeed to Dr. Jenny Cresswell and to you all for listening. See you next week.